Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Revelation 1, verse 5 is where we're starting. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom of priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was, who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. I have a question for you this morning. What do you long for? What, as you sit here this morning, do you desire? What is the longing of your heart? Be honest with that first thing that comes to you. What do you want? Desire yells at us in this season. It's the nature of humanity to long for more, to have longing. And the commercial plays on that desire in this time of Christmas. We want to receive a good gift or we want to give the best gift. We want to set the best table. We want to see the season bring all the things that it promises us. Everything that we see in the movies and the commercials of what could happen at Christmas time. There's a longing for love that's in the air. There's a longing for that proposal or that walk in the snow, longing for joy. I wanna sing the songs. I wanna be brought in by that feeling of warmth that I see all around me. And what can so often happen this time of year is that instead of rightly placing the longing and where it's taking us to, is that we slap this holiday, happy holiday ethos just across the season. And we as a culture say like, okay, this is the time of year where we get to be really happy. We get to have a lot of fun. And it does, it draws on our desire for beauty, for love, for the good, good things. But have you ever felt let down when New Year comes? Have you ever felt kind of like, oh, that was it? (laughs) When you finish Christmas morning or you've opened all the gifts and the stuff is there. I remember that feeling so much as a kid. I was like, Christmas is going to be the best day ever, and it's going to be the most fun, and everybody's going to be happy. And then my, me and my brothers would fight. We'd open all our stuff, and we were like, we didn't get what we wanted. And I'd sit there and be like, what just happened? All my expectation of what this day was supposed to hold, it didn't live up. Have you ever felt like the things you're longing for, like they don't live up? When the last person leaves your house or when your family disbands and you're left alone to think, okay. Was that just a lot of buildup for nothing? Well, that's because the day of Christmas, as we celebrate it, as sweet as it is to celebrate it, was not meant to be the fulfiller of our longing. The Advent season for the Christian actually 
exposes, this time of year exposes longing for the sake of taking us somewhere. That the human heart is being pointed towards reality by this season of Advent, by saying, no, I do long, I do want, and that's not a bad thing. It's not bad to want, to long for beauty, for the good moments, for family, all of these things, because the good, the true, and the beautiful, it exposes our longing for what true hope is. It exposes our longing for who true hope is, that it's meant to lead us somewhere. And it's not to the base of our Christmas tree on a day, but it's to the promise of God that he will make all things right. Like what we just read in Revelation, that God will come and he will make all things right. During Advent, we realize the truth about our longing. We realize that it was revealed at his first coming, and it's going to be complete, complete and fulfilled with his second. I would propose this morning that our longing points us in that direction. The hope that Revelation speaks of. We talked about hope this morning, and what is so cool is the Lord just loves to like line this stuff up is that it's our hope is in his glory. I feel like that was a big theme in worship was just his glory, getting to look at him and say, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. And our true and the hope that every longing points us to is the fact that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, that we will see God, his promises fully fulfilled in Jesus. That is our great hope. You see in verse eight, it says, I am the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. Or the English equivalent of this would be, I am the A to the Z. Jewish people at the time that this was written, they would have understood um, that A to Z in this context. They would have thought Adam transgressed the law from A to Z. Abraham, he kept the law from A to Z. And what this suggests about what God is saying is he is saying, I am the beginning of history, I am the end of history, and I am the Lord of everything that lies in between. Even when the powers of the world resist his will, he intends to come and complete the good purpose for the world. But why is, why is there longing? It's because we're not there yet. We are in this moment, and Advent reminds us that we dwell on the first coming of Jesus. We see the reality of what he did, but we also realize that we are still in waiting, that we're kind of suspended in this moment from his first coming to his next So we come awake to this deep longing of like, God, I want to see the culmination of your every promise. I want to see the things that you said come to pass. We place our hope in the return of Christ while we wait with Emmanuel, God with us. What a juxtaposition is that? I'm in waiting, but I'm waiting with him. You see, we don't wait the same way when we read In the Old Testament, how the prophets waited, how they prophesied of who the Messiah would be. We don't wait the same. We wait with a revelation. We wait being like, oh no, I've, I've seen the coming king. I know his name and his name is Jesus. And we wait in this reality that we know who Isaiah prophesied to. In Isaiah 9 two, when he says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. We know who he is. He's Jesus. When he talks about the, how therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This God with us is Jesus. So yes, we wait, but we don't wait as those who don't know the guest that's coming to dinner. We don't wait as those who will be caught sleeping because we wait knowing with whom we wait. As we dwell in this Advent season, we don't wait with just like the spirit of the happy holidays and expect it to bring peace and goodwill on earth. We know that only the king can do that. 
we know that only Jesus can do that and can satisfy the longing of our hearts. So how? How do we wait in this reality? Okay, because I feel the tension. We can feel that tension of there's a now of his kingdom and there's a not yet. So what does Advent hold for us for how we wait? I think the season of Advent does speak to this tension. And the first is with what we just read. It speaks to us as those on who the light has dawned. That, Isaiah 9-2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. What does light do when it shows up? If it's dark and light shows up, when the dawn of the day comes, what happens? It reveals what's truly there, right? It reveals as the sun comes up, as you see the day, it reveals like, oh, that's what's around me. It reveals the truth about what is around us, about what the world is like. We were, uh, my husband and I got to go visit my parents. They just moved to Florida, of course. And I've never, I've never been to Florida before. And so I was super excited to like get off the plane and get to drive and see. One of my favorite things is to just see new things that I've never seen before. And I was like, we're going to get off and I'm going to see the ocean or the towns or whatever's there. Super excited. We get there and I had forgotten that in winter time, it's dark at like four o'clock. So we get off the plane and it's just dark. And I was like, oh man, we're taking the, the drive to their house is like an hour and a half and I can't see anything. And I was like, what does it look like? And what am I even by? Is this like an ocean outside or is it buildings? Whatever it is. But when I woke up the next morning, I had thought all these things about like, okay, here's what it could look like outside. But I wake up in the light and I'm like, oh, this is where I am. I could see my surroundings for the first time. And I actually, instead of just imagining what it could be, the dawn had actually given me reality. The dawn had showed me what really was happening around me. And this is a huge part of what the first coming of Jesus did. He dawned on our darkness. He revealed the reality of the state of the world, the reality of the state of our souls. He revealed things as they really are by his light. And he showed us how things were intended to be by how he walked, by how he lived, by bringing heaven to earth. He dawned on the darkness and revealed what was really happening. And in Advent, we get to do the same thing, is we get to look to his presence to reveal the truth about what is around us, about the world, about what is in us, what's in me, and to be invited to walk in that light, in the reality of what is truly there. To let him reveal the truth in this season. We don't often think about darkness when we think about Advent. We think about this time. But what happens with the coming of Jesus is that we are given the dawn. And so we don't have to live in darkness. We get to look at the world in light of what he's done. We get to look at our culture and say like, okay, maybe we're, as a culture, we're doing a lot of things that are being celebrated, whether it's we wanna get rid of gender, we wanna get rid of marriage, we wanna get rid of all, like a lot of the things that God has instituted. And we say like, okay, no, we'll celebrate those because they're good. But actually what the dawn does is it reveals what is actually darkness. It says, oh, no, 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 no. The way of Jesus, how you're created to be, that is what is really light. That is what you're after. And even on like step outside of culture, step to like your personal, your personal level of just what your life looks like. There, there are things in the church that we celebrate all the time that are good things. It's like, oh, I'm climbing the ladder at work or I'm trying to really serve my family. I wanna create a space where I can be the perfect host. I wanna do this, that, or the other. But it can be a good thing that enslaves you. And everyone around you might celebrate it but it's the dawn, it's the light of Jesus that reveals the truth about it. 
he reveals the truth about, oh, no, 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 the motive that's there, that's darkness, that's got to go when it comes in line with my light. Oh, no, 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 actually, you, you don't need to focus right now in this season on being the perfect hostess. You need to just be my daughter. And that's a very, very different thing. And the light exposes in this season, especially as we gaze at Jesus as the dawn, and we say, oh, no, expose that. It's a time for honest lament that we get to think about this moment. We think about our, our world and what we see, that the world promises fulfillment to people that would shake off any, like, any idea of what it means to be a child of God, that we would, shake off actually, we would shake off constraint and we could just be the individual. The autonomous individual is the highest claim for culture. But Jesus invites us to something different. He invites us to true freedom, that we get to be expressed as children of God living in created order. 2 Peter 2.19 says this, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The dawn of Christ reveals that the sin that the world will call good is actually enslaving us. The dawn of Christ is what gives us 2 Peter and 2 Corinthians that says like, oh no, this is the way that it should be. So Advent holds this great capacity for lament as we see his light reveal the state of how things really are. As we see reality for what it is that our heart would grieve with the Father that things are not as they should be. That we recognize, oh no, there is, there is a component of this, that there's a not yet. We lament reminded that we're not to be enslaved by the cares of the world or tricked into calling darkness light because God has already shown his brilliance and he's shown us, oh no, this is how things are really to be. But the exposure of darkness, it's worth our grief and it necessitates that we see our sin for what it is, not just in the world, but in ourselves. It invites us to self-examination this season. Walking with Jesus always invites us to get to look at ourselves with him, to expose ourselves with him that he would shine upon my soul and reveal what's truly there. Not just on the world, not just on the people around me, but me, that I would say, God, let your light expose who I am. That it would actually be a time where my, my jealousy is exposed, my hatred is exposed, the fact that I don't love my neighbor, it's exposed. And I'm brought to my knees and I recognize sin for what it is. Because darkness, it cannot survive the dawn. Anytime that you come into the presence of the dawn, into the light of Jesus, who he is, your darkness can't survive. And Jesus alone is the hope of creation. As we talk about hope, this is all, it's all pointing us somewhere. Our longing, even what we see in the darkness, it's pointing us to him as our future and present hope. That we recognize it for what it is. But it doesn't mean that the day after Christmas leaves us empty. It's actually the opposite. We recognize that our longing requires nothing short of a gaze set on Jesus and that he will never leave us empty. He will never leave us alone that he is the actual solution. The, uh, I found a quote, it was from the first, the first president of the Czech Republic, pretty random, but uh, this, this guy, his name's, I'm probably not even gonna say his name right, Vaclav Havel is his name. And he lived in a time of history where he was well positioned to see both the effects of capitalism and the effects of socialism happen amongst his people. And he wasn't optimistic that either one would solve the longing of humanity. He concluded that there wasn't technology, it wasn't the state, it wasn't the market. They could be as successful as they wanted to be, but it would never save us from the things we feared most, like nuclear disaster or violence or environmental decay. 
He's quoted to say this. Pursuit of the good life will not help humanity save itself, nor is democracy alone enough. A turning to and a seeking of God is needed. The human race constantly forgets that he is not God. Yeah, go the clav. <laughs> the Christian remembers. We remember in this season that we are not God. We remember again that I am not God. We remember again in the light of his dawn. We remember as we remember the first coming of Christ that, oh yeah, you are God and I am not. You're the one that calls darkness out for what it is. You are the one who determines what is light. You are the one who calls sin what it is. And you alone hold the victory for now and forever. That I don't, we get to like, we can see poverty, evil, and injustice, and we can say, okay, let's like get people together and we can create a utopia and find solutions. That's not gonna happen without him. He alone is the light that can dispel the darkness and he alone is the one who says, oh no, at the end of things, I will be the one to set things right. So we align with him in this now and not yet moment. We see darkness for what it is and we ask that God would shine his light again, that we would partner with him. And that's the key piece is that we don't, we wait and we're in a not yet moment, but we're also in a now moment. That we live, the second piece is that we live as citizens of light. That's what Advent teaches us about waiting. We long for his return. We see darkness for what it is. We recognize the pain and sin of our world, the one that's in our lives, that battle of light and dark. And we mourn that. We mourn that there's a not yet. We, with Jesus, we grieve the things that we see that are not in line with his way. But the reality is that there is a now. That as we wait for the second coming of Jesus, he has already come. He has already come and our waiting, like I said before, is not the same. Our waiting is posed, Jesus saying, it is finished. I've actually defeated death. I've destroyed the veil that separated you from me. I've given you the Holy Spirit and you live a very different way. You get to participate. So when we encounter darkness, when we see the reality around us, we can't forget the true reality that Jesus has come. Yeah, there are times where we pray for healing and we don't see it. There are times that the cancer steals from us or that there's violence that takes its victims, that people destroy one another for selfish gain. And I'm gonna grieve that. I'm gonna say that's not the way that it should be. That is not the way that he said that it should be. And it's that, that brings me that longing for Christ's final victory. It's those things, it's seeing that darkness makes me say, oh God, I want what you say in Revelation that you will come, that you will come again and you will set everything right. But the hope we have in his return also reminds us to live awake right now. Awake and alive to what he's made possible now. That we cannot forget, Emmanuel, that God is with us. He's not distant. He's with us and he changes everything about how I live, about how I respond to darkness. Colossians 1.13 says this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Romans 13, 12 says, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So how do I wait? How do I wait in this tension of, oh, yeah, it's now, but it's not yet. Or like, I feel the longing, I feel it. How do I wait? I suit up and I go to war with the victor. I say, I see that Jesus has the victory and I want to partner with you because I have full assurance because of what he's already done, because the dawn has come, I have full assurance that darkness will not have the final say. 
So I wait for his coming by casting off every work of darkness. I wait in the same way that in Matthew when it talks about if my right hand causes me to sin, I cut it off and I throw it away. That's really intense language around sin, but when you're a child of light, this matters. Casting off sin in that way, casting off sin in that way, like I want nothing to do with you, says way more about who you are as a child than about the power of darkness. It says way more about the fact that, oh no, I am a child of God, I am a child of the light, and this sin gets to have no foothold in me, so I will cast it off. I will be as aggressive as I need to be with it to see him reign in my life. I will live in the kingdom to which I've been transferred by the blood of Jesus, and I won't believe the lie that darkness has a hold on me. And how do I wait? I put on, I put on armor, the armor of God. We know this verse, right? Put on the full armor of God. Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore, I will put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. How do I wait? The first coming of Jesus is an invitation to wait for the second coming, not just sitting there, like twiddling my thumbs, playing a game, sitting in the dark, whatever. It's actually an invitation to put on his armor, to stand firm and unshaken, to receive that gift of righteousness, to say, oh no, I'm the righteousness of God, I am brand new, I will live different, that I will hold myself together, I will belt myself with his truth, that when darkness seems to tell me a different story, I will be held together by his word. I stand ready, I'm ready to receive his good news. I'm ready to move forward with the things that he says. I get to know the person of peace and I get to be a person of peace. I can withstand as the world shifts, I can withstand it with joy because I actually, I stand in his good news. I walk in faith, faith that the son of God will come again, faith that I can trust what he says. And I take that faith and I hold it as a shield before my eyes and I see everything through faith and the darts of the enemy, they can't touch me. That shield, it extinguishes the flaming arrows of the enemy. I fight with truth and I fight with worship. And I pray, I pray when things are good and I pray when things are bad. I bring desires before him and I pray that the world would shift. I pray for healing for the sick. I pray for salvation for the lost. I pray that the people that I love would know their identity in him because I wanna see his kingdom here and now. And when I don't know how to pray, I pray in the spirit for God himself. He is the life running through my veins and he knows how to pray when I do not. But what I don't do is I do not give up. I don't get lulled to sleep. I don't decide like, okay, maybe I'll just look at darkness and I can celebrate, I can celebrate it with everyone else. No, the light has dawned on me. So I must put on the armor of God. I must daily wake up and say, no, this is the armor I choose and I will fight with you for you are the victorious one. You get the final say in the end and I will stand with you, Jesus. I don't get lulled to sleep by promises of the world. I stay alert, my eyes fixed on him and I pray that the people of God, that we would all stay alert together. That is our call, is that as community, we do this and we fight for one another. And we say, oh, someone I love is falling asleep. No, wake up, remember what we're here for. 
Remember that we, have, we are here for so much more than just to wait it out. No, 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 no. It starts now that we come together and we rejoice together and we feast together and we let the longings of our heart be known together and we fight together. This is how we wait. It's not an apathetic waiting. It is not a fearful one. It is a victorious one. A waiting that is done in light of the good news. When you think about that word, we hear it a lot, especially at this time of year. The good news of Jesus. What is news? News is not something that, it's not like good advice isn't the word you would use. News is different. When we watch the news, it's telling us, no, this is something that has happened. It is proclaiming, no, this is something that has been done. This is not something that you get to really question. It's not something you get to say like, oh, like, well, does it matter? No, it matters. This is news that has happened. He has dawned on us. He has humbled himself, born into filth. I can only, I was just thinking about it this week, and I can only imagine the angels, like, watching from heaven being so confused, being like, okay, we're singing over you, we're celebrating this, but why are you doing this? Like, why would the king of heaven lower himself so? Why would the king give up the glories of heaven to enter into their darkness, to enter into the mess that they've made? This God who he would grow in wisdom and stature among men. He would give himself to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus would show the world, a world that didn't want to receive him, he would show them what heaven tastes like. He would show them that heaven on earth is possible. He would be betrayed by his friends, by his family, he would be left alone, and he would die, even the Father's face turning from him. He would rise again and he would reveal himself to his friends to the people who doubted him, he would look at the doubting and say, put your fingers in my hands. The holes in my hands, they're here for you. He would, did all of it, he would defeat death, he would take on the cross, that he might just get to walk with his beloved again. He saw it as worth it. So even if all the multitude of angels looked confused, he said, no, they are worth it. They are a treasure. That he himself would live within us and he would say, I will come again. There's gonna be a finality to the story, a promised end where he will make all things right and Jesus will not fail. This is our good news. This is what has been done. It's not a question of will it happen or can he do it? He has done it and he promises to finish it. And so with Advent, as we recognize our deep longing for what he will do, that day when evil will have no say and sin can't touch the heart, sickness can't ravage the body, all the while we get to celebrate the victory that has been won. And we get to look toward victory that is inevitable. It's that tension we live in. It's the one in which we wait. But we don't wait powerless. We wait with God, Emmanuel, God with us. It is longing that Advent brings to the surface. When we let the light dawn, we see the truth about our longings, and we see that they really are for him. That ultimately, every longing that the human heart feels finds its satisfaction in him. We just misplace it so often. The longings we have, they're what the best stories are built on. They have their reflection in reality. Think about like the movies that you watch, or even like your favorite Christmas movies this time of year. There's great stories about good triumphing over evil, when true love is realized, of obstacles that are conquered, and there's impossible things that show themselves possible. 
I was even thinking about like the Christmas stories that we love or the ones that are like the classics. Scrooge, he realizes that he was actually made to love and give love away. There's even Santa Claus. He's like, I reward people for living well. And there's this Rudolph guy that helps me navigate life and go through the storms. And like, I, I conquer things. Joy wins, the storm loses. The spirit of Christmas is realized in hearts, young and old. These stories, they pull people in, they pull culture in for a reason. It's not just, oh yeah, they're really good stories. No, they have their basis somewhere. The stories that we love the most actually have their basis in who Jesus is. It's not just because it's cold outside or we just want a cozy story. It's that they pull at those deep longings. And Jesus is the underlying reality to which they point. Tim Keller has a cool quote about this. It's a little bit long, but I think worth it. He says, even though the fairy tales aren't factually true, the truth of Jesus means all the stories we love are not escapism at all. In a sense, they, or the supernatural realities to which they point, will come true in him. If you are a Christian, it is hard to know what to say to a child reading a book who says, I wish there was a noble prince who could save us from the dragon, or I wish there was Superman. I wish we could fly. I wish we could live forever. You can't just blurt out, there is, we will. There's a scene in the movie Hook where Maggie Smith plays an elderly Wendy from the Peter Pan story. She addresses Robin Williams, a grown-up Peter Pan who has amnesia. He's amused by the stories Wendy tells his children, but at one point, she stares right at him and she says, Peter, the stories are true. If Christmas really happened, it means the whole human race has amnesia. But the tales we love aren't really just entertaining escapism. The gospel, because it is a true story, means that all the best stories will be proved in the ultimate sense, true. So we get to dance and sing and enjoy the beautiful things that this season brings. I love it. I love to eat food with my family. I love to go get my Christmas tree. I love to wear a like ugly sweater. Chad. <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen that sweater, that's a good sweater. Not not even ugly. I wouldn't say ugly. Good Christmas sweater. But I I love these things. But what our longing does is it points us to a greater reality the beautiful things that we partake in, we don't stop there, but we let beauty point us to where our true longing lies. We enjoy the beautiful things that God has given us, and we say, oh, Lord, I just wanna worship you. I wanna connect with you. And we don't fear the moment that the dinner is over, or that the gift has been given, or that the wrapping paper is on the floor, or when the lights go out, because we know that longing is pointing to reality too that the deep longing of our heart is him, that it's the good news, it's the true story, that he will prove the stories we love ultimately true in him. So I invite you guys, with what's left of this Advent season, we have a week until Christmas, a week where we just get to look at him and remember that the light has dawned. I encourage you with the time to bring your longing before him. Let him expose darkness for what it is, that you may wait on him in the light. Get together with your friends and talk about what you long for. Talk about the things, those, the deep things. You're like, I, I want this for my life. I want to see this happen or this happen. I want, I want to see this. And then talk about where it points you. Let your longing in community lead you to worship. 
For I can promise you that the deepest desire of your heart meets its realization in him. Whatever those desires are, he's, he's saying, I'm the fulfillment. May we let our longing lead us to hope in his promises. May we let his light shine on darkness that we might see his victory. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. And those who pierced him, and all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. I invite you guys to stand with me. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website. 